Welcome back to the Legally Judgy Podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Alexa. Alexa, what's up, what's up? I don't really have much this week, except for the fact that I have to point out how much fun we have right before we record, Mm -hmm. and how many different sounds come out (laughs) of us testing. (laughs) Like, you literally just, I don't even know what you did with your nose, but I feel like my ears are ringing from it. Alexa's really sensitive to sound, so in fairness to me, I tried to turn away from the microphone to sniff. You know, I like to get all my little sniffs, my coughs, my et cetera's before the episode starts. This dramatic ass bitch, like, screams out My after. mom is not going to like that. <laughs> I'm really sorry, Alexa's mom. I swear we're really good friends. I told you she doesn't like when you call me stupid. Her. I'm sorry. <laughs> I swear we're friends. It is true, though. My mom did call me to tell me that, you, that you're mean to me. You're also really mean to me sometimes. I'm really nice. My mom said. <laughs> okay. Just gonna, putting you on blast I'm going to start recording around. moments and just sending them to her from like <laughs> anonymous numbers. We're just like fighting with Look each other Look at your daughter today. Mom. Is she so yeah. nice now? She's like, Mia, when do we get another sister? <laughs> she doesn't talk to me. She's not that Mexican. Oh, okay, well, that's it. That's all I got. That's How are you have for today? <laughs> my mom says I'm a sweet girl and you sniffle and too much too into the microphone. Noted. Although my throat did make a really weird sound before this. I'll take that with me into this next quarter of right. 2021. How are you? Um, I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know who else is good? Who? Putin. Putin? He is allegedly Sexy. the sexiest man in Russia. <laughs> that's your intro? <laughs> cannot i cried those pictures are great when i saw that on instagram this week you know he runs the poll right and he doesn't let anybody else a thousand percent but i like that one of his like nominating slash qualifying pictures was him like bare chested on a horse (laughs) pale as fuck with his creepy smirk get a tan get a tan please dear god He's so creepy. It's fine. It's fine. Honestly, I'll take it. I'll take this level of entertainment versus anything Trump was offering. So I'm like, if the new normal is that we're now back to like Biden doing nothing. Right. Let me answer it. He's doing things. He's just not annoying. And then there's Putin who's competing for like world sexiest man. I'll take it. Yeah. The world sexiest president. We have gone down that rabbit hole before, but we don't need to get into the hottest world leaders of all time. Oh God. Okay. Well, there's somebody else hot and sexy who we're going to talk about today. So freaking hot and sexy. Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. specifically as Borat. Yeah, I was going to say normal like him. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Look, not my type. Mm-hmm. I think we've established that enough on this podcast. But as Borat. That gets you going. Oh, man. Okay. Oh, that okay. neon green G-string. These ne- noises are just a little bit too much for me. We're going to move on from here. Okay. So Sasha Baron <laughs> going. Listen, he's done a lot. He's been, he's played so many roles. Um, I think he's like a spectacular actor. Um, I think he's I done ask, some. Who is he? What well, is he? You tell me. Who is he? <laughs> you're about to get into Since it. you're rude. You just, you go ahead. <laughs> Since I'm rude. Well, people may not know who he is. Okay, you're right. Tell him. Jewish, British comedian, mm-hmm. actor, writer, and producer. That's all I wanted to establish. Now talk about his awards. You're about to say it. That's fair. Well, he's been nominated for all the awards. Um, Golden Globes, Emmys, Oscars, BAFTAs. He's won several. Um, I think in 2018, the Times named him among the 30 less, uh, best living comedians. So That's something. He's living and dead. I want to know if that's a thing. Do they just... Do they have a living and dead? This one's like specifically living. I mean, do you think of, if you add like a Richard Pryor situation in, like that's... Maybe he'd be 31. Sadly. Maybe he wouldn't have made it. I don't know. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so okay, Sasha. 
We are clearly on a roll today. What else? We're we're on our fucking A game we're right our, now. Our, this is us at our What finest. else has he done? So Sasha created several uh, sketch TV shows, like Who is America? And he's appeared in a couple films, um, like Talladega Nights and Sweeney Todd. Love both. Um, and he's really known, or at least I feel like our generation really knows him, for kind of creating and portraying these satirical fictional characters by kind of transforming his appearance and using different accents to talk to you know, unsuspecting people who don't really realize that he's playing a character. Um, and so I think this kind of culminates in his most famous characters, which are like Borat and Ali G and Bruno, who he's played in uh, you know, kind of various TV shows and movies. Um, and all of the characters, if you have not seen them, are <laughs> ignorant. It's a nice way to put it. I was like, how do you describe all of They're just so outlandish. I'm going to call them ignorant. I feel okay. like that's the most... You know, PC way to say that. Okay. They're a bit ignorant um, in various ways. And so Borat, which we'll get more into, he's basically a secti- sexist and he's anti Semitic and he's from Kazakhstan and he's a reporter who's also like a cons- conspiracy theorist. He's very versatile, multi dimensional character. Yeah, he, I mean, he covers a lot of boundaries mm-hmm. um, or crosses a lot of boundaries. Yeah, no boundaries. yeah you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, mean, I think I meant to say he covers a lot of ground. But then we've got Ali G, who's a British guy. Um, he amazingly appropriates black. <laughs> British hip-hop and Jamaican culture. Makes sense. Not enough of that in the world. Right. And then there's Bruno, the gay Austrian fashion reporter who just embarrasses random people. He berates them. I like that guy. Yeah. He's really funny. He'll do, like, interviews in character with unsuspecting people. Like, he acts so... Like, he... The way that this guy gets into character, I just... I have to admire it. Mm-hmm. I, this is, like, what I aspire to, to do and to be, Yeah. I think. Because I love to be funny, and I feel like if I can create... You it, like trolling people. I do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it would give me more of a comfortability if I was in costume mm. to do that. Cause mm-hmm. as myself, I think I'd start to feel bad after a while. Yeah. But if I'm dressed up as like, I don't know, a gay Austrian fashion person. That's it for you. You got it. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so in these characters, he, he'll get access to these really high profile figures and politicians. And he acts like he's doing documentaries on like actual legit subjects. And that's how he gets people to agree to do these interviews with him. Right. It's amazing to me. And I have to say, arguably, what we call these mockumentaries, right? Because they're satirical and funny. I feel like they're even more legit than actual documentaries in some ways because he really gets people to let their guard down Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. (laughs) come out with all of their different prejudices or ignorance. I feel like that's the... At least Borat. I'm thinking specifically Borat. I have seen a lot less of Ali G, I have to admit. Yeah, I guess it's kind of half and half. Like, when you think about him, he's coming at it from a satirical standpoint, but the people who are on it really kind of do fall more into the documentary category because they're just kind of sharing their real opinions about the world. Mm-hmm. So he definitely, it's a fine line that he walks. Um, <laughs> a very fine That's line. The purpose of this whole episode is how fine that line is. A little bit of violence, um, a little bit of legal action, but we'll get, we'll <laughs> get favorite more into topics. that. Love violence. Violence and legal actions. It's really murder and legal actions, but we don't have any murder this time. Oh, Sorry, I, guys. You like murder more than me. Yeah, well, so does Putin. <laughs> you gonna do a callback to that sexy motherfucker? <laughs> just... Well, so anyways, basically to play these characters, um, Sasha has to reach out with credentials from fake, but I guess officially registered companies, um, which I think is interesting because I'm like, if you're reaching out to politicians and pretty famous, sophisticated people, like clearly your teams are kind of lacking in their um, background, you know, recon abilities if they can't figure out that this is all fake (laughs) and a farce, but that's, you know, whatever. 
I know. I think it's hilarious. But really the point of, I think, his humor, I mean, part of it, I think, is shock value for shock value in certain scenes, which we don't need to get into. But I think it's exposing people, mm-hmm. and mainly British. I think with Ali G, he was mainly in the UK doing that. Yep. And then with Borat, really getting in on Americans mm-hmm. at their worst. And he's showing their underlying ideologies. And I think by his characters, especially Borat being so sexist and so misogynistic and he's so extreme that everybody else is like whoa compared to that guy right (laughs) i'm a gem yeah yeah and i think um well so to focus on the main star really this episode we're going to talk about borat um and so as we mentioned you know he's supposed to be a journalist from kazakhstan who sasha portrays in various kind of sketch shows but it really came to fame after he stars in two films which were pretty much largely unscripted from what i understand i mean i think they Mm -hmm. scripted some of this the scenes that they were going into, but they couldn't script the, right, you know, what would actually unfold once they got there. And so the first one comes out in 2006, and it's called Borat, Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. Well done. Not, not I a, love that title. Not a short title at all. I love it. And I just want to say, as a note, there's definitely going to be some spoiler alerts um, during our episode for both movie one and movie two. So if you haven't watched it, you've officially been warned. And you should have seen, I mean, this came out in 2006. So yeah, and the second one came out in 2020. So, so maybe a little leeway on the part two, so you can listen for a little longer. Yeah, the okay. premise of Borat one. Yes, we'll, we'll talk about. We is... can at least talk about that. So Sasha goes as Borat um, to the U.S. interviewing unsuspecting Americans who really think he's this Kazakhstani reporter, and so he's supposed to be making a serious documentary about American culture and customs. And in doing so, he kind of reveals all of his own anti-Semitic views and talks about his hatred of women and spews off like random conspiracy theories that, you know, basically get people to admit their own ignorant and bigoted views. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you love the highlights of this movie. Let's do so some highlights. Hit them. And I, I was nice. I didn't go to the, some of the really, like the ones that I don't really Fair. want to repeat. Yeah. So keep that in mind. So at one point in Borat 1, he gets on stage at a rodeo, presumably in the South. I don't really remember where, but I think most of this stuff is like somewhere in the South. Yeah, I think so. Um, And he's voicing his support for George Bush's War of Terror, what he calls it, which is the Iraqi invasion. And so the crowd is just so happy, right? They're cheering. And so he goes, okay, to honor you, I'm going to sing your national anthem. But in our tune, the melody, the U.S., you know, national anthem but he changes the lyrics to be basically super pro kazakhstani and how kazakhstan is like the world leader worldly power in the u.s are a bunch of like pussies and it's just like terrible so the more he starts singing about it the more it's funny watching the crowd's faces turn right. to be like and they like yeah, realize what's way, happening yeah. yeah hold on i don't remember this version right. so he started getting booed and he's threatened and he actually had to be escorted off of the stage by his own security and I think he, he wore a bulletproof uh, vest for that one, too. That's crazy. Because a lot of these people like to... Like to tote, they they tote, like their gun rights. Tote guns a little bit? Us Americans. Second Amendment. Another time, he's staying at a bed and breakfast owned by this really sweet uh, elderly Jewish couple. And again, Borat is anti-Semitic. Sasha Baron Cohen, let's... Well, he's Jewish in real life. Right. But his character mm-hmm. is anti-Semitic. And mm-hmm. so the whole thing is him just <laughs> not realizing at first that they're Jewish. And once he does just being like oh my god i gotta get out of here yeah like i'm not oh my god i'm with the jews and so he escapes in a panic he does it in a different way but i'm not gonna get into it and then it culminates 
when he tries, this whole point of the part of the movie is that he wants to marry Pamela Anderson. Because naturally you come here for Pamela Anderson. Right. I mean, he had a wife and then I think she died in a bear attack. So he was, instead of being upset, <laughs> so fucked up. She, he was happy and he saw Pam Anderson somehow and he ends up finding her by the end of the movie. And I think it was a real life book signing and he goes after her and tries to kidnap her until her security guards stop him. Like, this guy really gets into character. I mean, he must have, like, the craziest security bills per year so with bad. the team that he needs to, like, so not get killed. Um, but so, although this, although Sasha and the movie had plenty of kind of critics and controversies, mainly, of course, by conservatives Shocking. and the people that were portrayed in this movie who did not know that they were going to be in this mockumentary, um, the film was generally actually received really well. It cost $18 million to make, but grossed $262 million worldwide. Amazing. And so, I, I mean, I guess if you walk away with even a portion of that, um, you're probably set you're for good. life. You're so good. in 2007, Sasha basically said he was going to retire the Borat character. I mean, partially because he had really just come so widely recognized that I think, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember watching that movie with like my brother and his friends and they had to have played it like every fucking weekend. So I think <laughs> if that's any indication of how other people were viewing it, if I would have seen Borat walking on the street back then, I definitely would have known oh, totally. who he was. And like, I think even if you weren't a fan yourself. For sure. A thousand percent. You, you at least knew somebody who loved it. And his mustache, I feel like the marketing was intense. I remember seeing him everywhere. Because mm-hmm. I don't think I watched that when it came out. I think I watched it later. Mm, okay. My brother wasn't a Borat. You know, my, my brother's gay too. Okay. So he was much more into like cartoons and princess stories. So mm-hmm. was not playing all day, every day in my house. So but Borat wasn't his jam. Not not so much. Okay. Not, maybe I should ask him if he likes him in a thong. But I don't, <laughs> wow. I don't think so. All right. I don't think so. <laughs> so then, um, you know, he said that he was going to retire the character. But... As we, we know, there's a Borat 2 that comes out in 2020. Ready for this title? Borat subsequent movie film, delivery of prodigious bride to American <laughs> regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. There, I have to take a breath after that one. So he says that he ended up doing this one because he was really uh, upset about the state of politics in the U.S. You know, you had Trump, the Muslim ban, and there's so many things going on. So he had to make sure that he shot this film to point out how absurd everything was in our U.S. political system. And again, he's he's British, right? right. He's just like, I, I saw that he did an interview that said he was genuinely scared for democracy. <laughs> and he knew that because... As were we. Yeah. <laughs> he knew that the U.S., and democracy are seen as going hand in hand for right. better or for worse. So he thought if it fell here, the yeah. rest of the world was screwed. So he came out, he brought in Borat back again for this film that was, he made sure it was released prior to the 2020 presidential election here in the right. U.S. And that's how we got this part. Well, I think I also too. read that he thought that he had a duty to kind of inform people about how crazy the right could be ahead of the elections, but in an entertaining way. So I mean, as mm-hmm. we'll kind of you know, briefly address, like he goes into these very right leaning conservative places where people are very strongly right. Trump supporters. And Q&A. so yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little gray. And so I think for him, he thought, how else can I expose this to not only Americans who are going out to the polls to vote, but to the world who obviously they're not voting, but there are people who definitely were pro Trump and, um, mm-hmm. you know, probably could have used a taste of like reality in terms of what his base was actually like and it's funny because i think that he does it in a way where you have these definitely like gross moments in the film Borat. see there were some scenes i had to fast forward the the cotillion was it the i had definitely i'm not talking about it but it was gross so i think he does that though to like appeal to younger audiences who might think that that's funny like the jackass people i think people who like jackass um which i think was funny if you don't know what jackass is oh my god how old are you 
I'm 52. I'm not, okay. I'm not talking about you. I'm saying people who are listening. Oh my God. (laughs) Go on. I thought, I didn't want to, I I thought you were asking me. No. Okay. Anyways. So the premise of basically the 2020 10 word title movie is that (laughs) Bora is offering his 15 year old daughter Tudar as a bride to the one and only the the definitely world's uh no U.S.'s most sexiest man since we've got Russia's I was gonna say most closeted gay well that works too so Mike Pence um in order to better the relations between the U.S. and Kazakhstan and so this all takes place during you know COVID and the pandemic and again the 2020 presidential election so you know there are some highlights without giving away the entire movie give them the best ones alexa okay so big one he dresses okay so the thing is everyone knows who he is right right so in the film he's borat dressed up as different people Mm -hmm. which was funny right because you're not going to see him in his gray suit suit. and the big mustache yeah so he crashes this rnc convention where mike pence is speaking dressed up as president trump (laughs) and it was like a weird imitation of president trump like it had the the rubbery mask you know clearly it's not trump yeah Yeah, yeah. but somehow he got in and he didn't even have tickets so the actor right it's amazing how he gets himself into these places and mike pence is speaking and he have it's a huge huge conference uh room with people and he just starts screaming right because the whole point is he wanted to offer his 15 year old child bride to him and the real life mike pence right this is not scripted uh he looks at him and then his his security guards come and grab mike pence and then they run after borat dressed as trump and he gets taken out of the whole thing and everybody's screaming at him and it, it gets potentially violent again he said he was scared afterward he definitely was scared i too would be scared fucking with the right (laughs) another one my my favorite he stays with two QAnon conspiracy theorists for several days i think it was five days he had to stay in character um where they exchanged like several crazy conspiracy theories which i won't get into but he is so absurd at one point you're thinking the QAnon people are the rational people right and they're looking at him like no, I don't think if women can learn to read, their brains will explode. That was like one of the main points. And also, I have to point out, pretty sure these two guys were gay. They were like in the middle of nowhere, just living on the two of them. I was actually quite appreciative of, I think if there's one time that you want to be around a conspiracy theorist, it's probably during COVID because they were like bunkered up and ready to go. That's true. So they had all the snacks. And I was like, you know what, y'all? Shout out to you for preparing yeah. for this this world crisis. <laughs> and they were really feeling for him. It was kind of yeah. like I almost felt sorry for them, but I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> Never mind. Um, and then we're going to get into this a little bit later, but this is definitely probably the biggest highlight of the movie. His daughter... 15-year-old daughter who's played by, you know, an actress, of course, who's overage uh, or adult legal age, manages to get an interview with Rudy Giuliani. Ruju. Our guy, Ruju. And it takes place in a hotel suite. And then some suggestive events unfold, which we'll save for later. Well, so I think, you know, we, there's so much in the movie, but I, I definitely think the highlight for us is that literally since 2006, people have brought, you know, various legal claims for money and injunctions, which basically means... Uh, an order, a court order making something stop from happening. Um, so people have brought various claims for these injunctions against the release of both films. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to give you guys a little sampling of some of the legal claims. Get ready. And Quite a few. It is a list. It is a Quite list. Quite a few, but I think they're entertaining. You go first. Me? Yeah. All right. Let's bring it in with dear old Kathy Martin. So she sued um, for her appearance in Borat 1. Um, the scene is Borat hired her to be his etiquette coach. Cause you know, Borat's not very refined. He was, he has no couth. Not, he's very uncouth. <laughs> You're so protect uncouth. <laughs> um, so the scene unfolds with her trying to teach him. Of course it's not working. 
And one of the highlights, they're at a dinner party and he defecates into a bag at said dinner party, among other things. Mm -hmm. So the etiquette coach, of course, that's how she makes her money. And I think she wasn't appreciative of the way that she was portrayed. Shocking. (laughs) Um, So she claimed that she was tricked into being part of a childish prank. Um, the Supreme Court of in Alabama dismissed the case, poor thing, um, says that she signed a release before participating and also noted that uh, the release was ironclad. We'll get into that. But it said that New York uh, had to be the, the lawsuit had to be brought in New York. Right. So the judge was sympathetic. It almost felt like she, he, the judge was like, look, uh, Miss Martin, I, I wish there's something I could do. Nothing I can do. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've got more. So then there is Jeffrey Lemerand. Um, and so he sues after his image is included in the 13-second clip of Borat 1 um, and in its trailer. And so this guy Jeffrey is shown running from the camera and shouting, go away, as Borat tries to hug him on the street. And so the judge, I guess, had no appreciation for Borat and said that basically, although the film appeals to in quotes, the most childish and vulgar aspect in viewers. The judge ultimately dismisses the case because she says the clip was newsworthy and basically said that it commented or was at least an ironic commentary on, you know, modern American culture. What are you going to do? So one more claim shot down. Here we go. And Who's then, next? Maybe they'll right. better look. So we got the villagers in this Romanian town, um, which was the location where Borat One filmed his hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ended up suing after the movie came out for $38 million. Small amount. 30, I mean, this is a very impoverished village, right? $38 million. So some claimed that they were paid as little as $1.34 each mm-hmm. while others claimed they were paid between 70 and 100 dollars to be in the movie okay. as extras yeah um so it's worth noting that sasha and his production team said they actually paid them double the rate for extras which are usually like there's a guidance in right. each location they pay them a location fee and that they even donated ten thousand dollars and some computers and like school and business supplies to the village so mm, i don't know um, but they were told they were going to be in a documentary um, and then ultimately were humiliated internationally for their scenes, saying that they were portrayed in a false light and that they were depicted as incestuous, rapists, abortionists, prostitutes, and thieves. I mean, I too would have an issue with being depicted around the world that way. <laughs> See, look, I'm a little sympathetic to them, like you were saying. I do feel bad. Apparently, uh, the production team had random houses bring in random livestock into the house <laughs> and make it seem like that's where Borat grew up. And then he even pointed to, I guess he was like a, a, a welder in this town, this little village. Yeah, yeah. And he, that, he said that that was the guy who performs all the abortions. And so he was interviewed <laughs> after. So and he was like, I get, he's like, look at my hands because they're all burnt and like, you know, he's a welder. He's like, how could I perform abortions? My hands are too rough. And I'm like, oh, that's geez. so sad. Wow. But, but the flip side I have to say is that they weren't being portrayed as the actual village. They were supposed to be his hometown. Right, so right. it's not like they're saying that this is the literal, this is a village in Romania and look at how they are, right? It's supposed yeah. to be Borat's fictional hometown yep. in Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing. It's like you guys are extras in a movie. Ultimately, I know it's not what you thought it was going to be, but it's not like we're saying that you actually are yourself. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the lawsuit gets dismissed in 2006 on grounds of it being too vague. And then again, they try to bring this action again in 2008 dismissed again for having insufficient evidence. Right. What I want to point out here, um, the lawyer who originally repped them was later actually disbarred for failing to pay court fines 
And little TBT to our boy Girardi um, from episode two, Uh-oh. stealing client funds, um, including funds he won for Holocaust survivors against the country of Germany. Dear God. So that guy, that guy is going to H-E double hockey sticks. Definitely not lower middle. Not lower, not middle, just truly. Truly the lowest. The bottom rung of hell. The very bottom. He's chilling with Satan. Just mm. like those Nike shoes. Damn, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, guy. All right. So we got the village. Who else? Okay. So this is one of my favorite ones, at least. So we've got Justin C. and Christopher Rotunda. Um, and so they're two frat boys who basically get drunk with Borat in the first movie and make all these racist remarks. Mm. And Poor so guys. naturally, you know, white privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, so they basically say that they're... What's their defense? They're apparently force-fed alcohol. Because <laughs> I'm sure it was so hard to get them to have all those beers. Right. And that it ruined their reputations. So I think one of them lost his job at like a major corporation. Mm-hmm. And the other one lost a prestigious internship where this internship was you know i have questions Mm -hmm. but so because of this they sue for defamation um after the movie and they basically claim that they were told that the movie would never appear in the u.s sounds right which i'm sure sasha would agree who would have said that yeah (laughs) were you drunk can you imagine that i'm pretty sure okay and so in 2006 you know they bring this case and it's dismissed quickly thereafter i think they tried to get an injunction to keep the movie from coming out in dvd but the court is like no bros how old is this first of all right where dvds are concerned like when is the last time you've purchased a dvd it's been a while it's been first of all would be a blu-ray if we want to go that they're just as out of style as white frat boys Ooh, oh burn and also defamation if again as we've taught our listeners time and time again if it's true it's not defamation. Well, also, he didn't say anything about you. You were talking. Yeah. So. You're call- Wait, so. How does that work? I feel like that meme that kind of looks like an old Julia Roberts with all the numbers, <laughs> numbers over it. Like- yeah. I'm like, wait, defamation because you. How was- does that work? It was you saying it, but. Tell me, Sway. Okay. Okay. What else we got? We got Esma. Oh, I'm so bad at names, as we Red know. Sipova. Red Sipova. Thank you. She was a Romanian I've been singer. I my Russian. Yeah. <laughs> you came out with that. You have your hand on your hip, too. Look at you. You're so freaking Sassy. proud of you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah this whole putin russian theme right now is making me pretty uncomfortable did you vote for him did you go did you learn russian and then go to russia to vote for him as the number one top sexy guy i'm gonna say as a black woman i did not blend in in russia but he probably would have taken my vote look that fucking bareback <laughs> shot of him on a horse maybe i took I the picture know. all right so we got this romanian singer she sues for eight hundred thousand pounds um this is from borat one apparently they used her song she says, without per- permission, um, she ended up actually being awarded. This is a rare one where yeah. she was awarded some money. Or actually, I don't know. Was she awarded or did they settle out of court? I don't really, I don't remember. But she basically gets 26,000 uh, pounds. She got less because apparently they did get permission, but from her production company to use the song in the film. Mm-hmm. But she was never notified. Right. So it must have been something going on with the law over there. I don't know really what happened. I think they probably settled. Yeah, but I mean, like, I think to your point, that was kind of a one-off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, so we've got this other guy. His name is Mike Psniska. Is that how we're going to go with that one? <laughs> there's like a P and an S. I want everyone to know it's P-S-E-N. Michael Psniska. Whenever there's a lot of letters, I just get very nervous. I'm, Michael P. I'm just going to commit to it. Michael Psniska okay. was a driving instructor. And so he's a high school math teacher who ran his own driving school. That's an um, ambitious guy. He's got a lot going on. <laughs> Listen, he's out here trying to get his paper. No, don't hate on him. him. I'm not. I'm. He's in it. That's great. I'm using it colloquially, as in don't hate on him. Don't be so sensitive. Colloquially. Colloquially. What? I have a really hard time saying that word. Okay. I just wanted to try. 
<laughs> anyway, so Michael Psniska um, was in the first movie. And so basically he gives Borat driving lessons. And so he sues for $100,000. Um, his damages were apparently for emotional harm and then punitive, which again is just a punishment. Mm-hmm. And so he said that he thought he was participating in a documentary about looking at the integration, I guess, of foreign people into the American way of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was paid four hundred, I'm sorry, five hundred dollars to give Borat a driving lesson. And so in the scene, he's again trying to teach Borat to drive, and Borat is like driving erratically and drinking alcohol and yelling at pedestrians. At one point, he says to a woman, I think he says something like, "Do you want to make sexy with me, or can I touch your sexy?" <laughs> Literally a hot fucking mess. But so he brings this this claim, and the court basically dismisses it. And I think similarly to kind of some other ones, they basically were like, you signed a release. You got to go. That's done. it. Done. We'll get to it. Another one. This one is really mm. Judith Dim Evans, um, brought by her estate. So she's, uh, this is from Borat 2. She's a Holocaust survivor, and her estate actually brought a suit on her behalf to remove her appearance from Borat 2. In her scene, Borat, who, as we've talked about, is anti-Semitic and he's supposed to be a Holocaust, he's a Holocaust denier. He's interviewing Judith, who's a professor, um, and her friend about the Holocaust. By the end of the scene, though, a rare Borat move, uh, move uh, his mind has changed, mm-hmm. actually. And he says he sees the light, he thanks her. It's actually a pretty sweet, I mean, notwithstanding his terribly racist right. getup, mm-hmm. which we won't get into, um, he ends up changing or changing his mind from her. So Sasha said the scene was actually supposed to be kind of an homage to the Holocaust remembrance. That's mm-hmm. the reason why he included it, because I think he knew this was hopefully going to maybe be his last Borat movie. And it's worth noting that Judith wanted to film uh, sue the film before it even came out. So you actually never she never saw her scene mm-hmm. because she she just thought it was going to mock the Jewish people and Holocaust. So before it came out, she actually sadly passed away. And her daughter is the one bringing, brought this lawsuit on her behalf afterward. They're claiming that her interview was done under false pretenses. Um, her daughter also tried to claim that her signature on the release wasn't valid, didn't match her normal signature. And then allegedly after the film was, uh, or her scene was filmed, Sasha has said that, and I think a couple other producers have said that, they actually sp- explained to her what was going on. Oh, so she knew okay. that he was in character. Mm-hmm. And he explained the purpose of the movie, which is to bring to light the ignorance mm-hmm. going on. So maybe they kind of took more care with her than usual because right. of who she is, was. And so they actually ended up uh, dedicating the film to her. And they included some bonus content about right. her story. Mm-hmm. They even set up a website in dedication to her and all her work. Um, but anyway, the, the suit was filed in Georgia. The judge has seemed to indicate that he's going to dismiss the suit. So I think the plaintiffs end up withdrawing it. But this was yeah. a relatively new one. Like we said, Borat 2 just came out. Right. And that's kind of where we're at. Right. And in a complete change of events, so, something that's far more funny. Yeah, enough of this simple, sweet girl. We're going to end it on a higher note. Mm-hmm. So um, going back to Rudy Giuliani, Alexa's boy, Ruju. Ruju. So... Ruju hasn't sued yet. By this point, he probably won't. Um, so it's worth noting that. But just to kind of give you some of our thoughts on how it ties into the legal of it all. Um, so in the scene, basically, mm-hmm. um, the actress playing Borat's daughter is interviewing Ruju in a hotel suite. And so after the interview, they move to the bedroom to have a drink because where else would you go after interviewing somebody professionally? Seems naturally. So, oh, he's he, so ugly. He's so gross. Ugh. 
So he's sitting on a bed and she starts removing his mic. Um, and so he asks for her name and address and kind of pats her on her back. It was so awkward. And then he lays down and puts his hands down his pants when Borat bursts in and kind of ends the scene. And so we're going to let you guys watch it. I mean, long story short, Ruju claims that he was tucking his shirt in after taking off his mic and that nothing untoward was happening or was um, going to happen. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. But we'll let you guys decide for yourselves. Nope. I, I too, am skeptical. I have questions. She was the actress. Oh, the poor. Can you imagine being that actress? You don't I, know what's going to happen. I'm sure she was vomiting in her mouth and swallowing it Apparently, the whole time. I read that Sasha was a, in a closet in the other room, yep. right? Um, and he had a cell phone with him and the cell phone battery was running low. But someone, a producer or something, there was something that somebody was watching, monitoring the actress with Ruju, right? Because okay. again, for people listening... Ruju, Rudy Giuliani, thinks that this is real. Right. Right? And then she's not real. She's an actress. So they were supposed to time the moment that they wanted Sasha to burst into the mm-hmm. room. And so he was, like, getting really scared that he was going to miss the moment and he didn't know what was going to happen to her. And he ends up finally getting the signal, and that's when he bursts into the room. And it's crazy because the timing of it is so, yeah. like, perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. Anyway, I had to say that. Well, so what we think or thought that some possible claims that Ruju might bring would be, like, defamation or trying to enjoin the film again, which may basically just stop it from being distributed, or basically saying that he was under duress because, you know, everybody loves a good duress claim when he was signing the release. Um, and so we think that he hasn't brought it because as a public figure, especially of really Giuliani's stature, um, he would really have a harder time with these claims. I mean, first of all, for like the defamation of it all, he'd really have to prove that there was malice or kind of reckless disregard for the truth, um, in that suit. And that's, you know, a court that would be required per like the Supreme Court basically. And then, you know, while one might wonder if there were any presumption of privacy during that bedroom scene when the cameras were hidden, our thought is that that probably wouldn't work under New York law. Um, New York has a one-party consent state to secret recording, so basically as long as one party consented, it's not illegal. It seems real suspect, huh? It's it's a little questionable. I think that ties into some other things that we're not going to get into today. But so on top of all of this, Ruju's image is already kind of so fucked from this past (laughs) couple years of working with Trump and all of this that... It was probably the best that he lay low. Um, I mean, he did not stop his petty train. Apparently, he took to Twitter at one point to call the film a complete fabrication and called Sasha a stone-cold liar, mm-hmm. but hasn't brought any suits to date. I mean, but stay tuned. You never know with Ruju. Yeah, I think he knows he fucked up. He's a lawyer, so come on. Um, and uh, good old Trump, his BFF, says <laughs> the way he has his boy Ruju's back, he commented that he's the only one who's never gotten scammed by Sasha. But we're learning that he did on the Ali G show, I think. And I have to point out in Borat 1, just to refresh everyone's memory, there is a scene of Borat shitting on Trump's hotel planner in front of the Trump sign. So if you want to say that you've never gotten scammed, sure, but literally you have been shitted on. So (laughs) whatever. You've been shitted on. Well, so, okay, so simultaneously with this long list of claims, right, from Borat, um, Sasha's also got some other legal claims that he was dealing with at that point um, in connection with the Ali G show and Who is America. And so rarely, actually, were those cases successful either. And as a reminder, you know, most of the claims that we just went through got dismissed, with, with the exception of really the woman who was um, singer who got the uh, money in connection with her music. And then there was one other one, which is in 2012. Um, Basically, this Palestinian grocer sued um, for defamation after he was labeled as a terrorist. And so it was actually by Sasha. 
Um, it wasn't the guy's own comments. And mm. so he and he ends up settling, though. So it's kind of unclear how successful the case actually would have been if he went to court. But he also didn't sign a release. So I think, you know, there probably would have been a better standing. But mm-hmm. so long story short, Sasha's had all of these claims in connection with Borat and the Ali G show and who was America. And I think there were some similar kind of trends and reasons that we think they fell apart and got dismissed that mm-hmm. we thought were interesting and thought we could break down quickly. Yeah, I think the key here are these wonderfully ironclad releases for better or for worse so what is a release it basically gives filmmakers rights in perpetuity there's your favorite word forever ever that's what it means throughout the universe so legalese because if we move to the milky way it is still true to use footage your name your likeness anything for the program and advertising um, and basically we, we've never seen these releases. I would love to, to see them. I've, I've read, I think we've read enough about them now that they've just, yeah. they're, they're just ironclad. So basically a release will say that you waive, you're going to waive and not bring any claims in the future against the producer or anyone associated with the film. So we're talking about claims, right? Anything under the sun, infringement of rights, privacy, defamation, infringement of publicity, Fraud, breaches of alleged moral behavior, uh, yeah, alleged moral behavior, which we know Sasha as Borat, very probably some good standing for that one. Very here. questionable moral behavior. <laughs> yeah. um, so basically, what we're getting at is protecting against all causes of actions, right. and there's no restrictions in the release that they sign. Mm-hmm. And then there's this very important merger clause that basically has them acknowledge that they're not relying on anything the producers have said, no promises or statements about the nature of the film, the people involved, how they're going to be portrayed. So they're not relying on anything they say, and then they sign it. And it's pretty standard to have people sign releases for scripted and unscripted TV and movies. Mm -hmm. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. It just depends on what they say. So what could void this? I mean, there are a couple of things. The main one, as much as we love it, is duress. Duress. So if somebody forces you to, you know, sign something that obviously is going to make it less uh, valid or legal, um, mm-hmm. so that's one possible way. I mean, again, we've, as we've shown through a number of these episodes, duress is really hard to prove. Mm-hmm. Or something that's really hard, it's just so rarely, really, I think is actually the case. Probably a mix of both. Yeah. And so there's duress is one way to avoid a release. The second way, I think, would be fraudulent inducement. And so that basically means that you're tricked into signing something. Um, but again, the forms say that they waive claims of fraud and deception and that they aren't relying on any statements by the producers about the film or their role in it to sign it. So I don't think fraud, fraud, um, fraudulent inducement would actually work here. I really think of this, I don't, I have faint memory of like law school and going over this. It seems like it, it would be like, oh no, this is just, you're just signing for this car lease. And then they like take that lease out and then they yeah. flip it with like this multi-million dollar home loan. Right. That would be like, okay, it's yeah. not even the thing that we said it would. Right. It, it would be, have to rise to that level, I think. Yeah. Like you're literally tricking somebody to sign yeah. something. They don't even realize what it is. So again, it's unlikely here because of this acknowledgement, but you know, the lawyers have still tried to argue that people didn't understand or read the fine print, which doesn't really matter legally since you signed it, but also not reading or understanding it is not the same as being tricked into signing something. Correct. So I think those are quite different. But I think, you know, all of this really shows the power of contract law. And Sasha also maintains that they, I don't, you know, he's not a lawyer, so I'm not really sure what this is based on. Because as Alexa said, we have not been able to find these specific releases, although we've seen millions of releases in our careers. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, Sasha says that they have to be easily readable to stand up in court, um, which would really make this worse for some of the people, like Ruju, since he's 
a lawyer and happened to be the president's, president's lawyer personal lawyer <laughs> so like been a lawyer if you rudy giuliani could not read a release um you're done you represented gucci in like the 1700s no you've been a lawyer <laughs> long enough you should know what a release is yeah. so okay so what's the flip side so you got these releases um we not the flip side but we want to what else is going on here right we have free speech and free expression mm-hmm. so what is that in this context because we talk about this a lot if a defendant's portrayal of an individual is newsworthy, mm-hmm. then it's generally protected by the First Amendment, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So that's kind of what one of the judges came out and said, like, look, he's making a critique and commentary about American culture. Yeah. This is newsworthy. We're getting into racism, homophobia, sexism, all these different things. So, you know, some people might not like it, but I think this is in particularly... Uh, on point for the the public figures that he interviews and the politicians because people are going to want to know was Ruju being a creep or not yeah um and then we have anti-slap laws your favorite you want to take a turn now you go for it (laughs) (laughs) um I love these anti-slap laws so uh slap laws what are they strategic litigation against public participation I wonder if Sasha Baron Cohen kind of helped them author this long title for this. Um, and it exists in 30 states. We talked about it on the diet product episode. They basically make it harder for people to sue someone for exercising a constitutionally protected right, like free speech, if it's a matter of public concern. So so I explained what slap laws, that's the anti-slap laws, right? It's basically trying to protect people who are trying to uncover truths mm-hmm. or break news. And it's especially in particular to people who have a lot less power and resources, who are exposing people who have a lot more power and a lot more re- uh, resources. Yep. So a lot of times these kinds of suits are dismissed pretty easily at the outset before you have to incur a bunch of court costs if it's a matter of public interest. And I think that's where a lot of courts have come out with these mockumentaries. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think courts have said, again, kind of that the movie addresses topics that are truly a public concern. I think, it, you know, the public's got a right to know if people around them and in their communities and certainly public figures, right, have views that are racist or sexist or xenophobic, et cetera. And, you know, I think the movie's also sparked a lot of debates and public awareness. Um, and so I think my understanding is that the courts were trying to protect kind of these movies as a matter of public interest. And again, as we kind of mentioned, public figures have a harder time proving defamation and that things aren't newsworthy. So they have to show that there was malice. And even the people in the background didn't really have a great claim for getting these struck down because A, there was no expectation of privacy if you're just outside in the background. And B, it, it was still newsworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you mean in the background you mean like people just moving like in the back the of the frame yeah, yeah. right like on yeah. the sidewalk mm-hmm. i found that interesting i was like yeah if you're on a sidewalk no expectation of privacy i mean it's so different than if like cnn is outside right mm-hmm. like they're not stopping and right. asking for a release from everybody who walks right. by at like you know a protest or a rally or whatever the case is right exactly and the other thing we talk about this you have to prove actual harm so what is the harm that everyone most people have incurred it's a little unclear, but I think they're feeling embarrassed. Right. Especially, I'm thinking of the two frat boys, right? They're yep. embarrassed that their racist remarks got put on blast mm-hmm. and that everyone will see these guys saying these things in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I mean, I think it's also interesting, we kind of alluded to this before with respect to like people who are suing on defamation and not based on the releases. Um, if it was for defamation, I think 
it just needs to be stated that Sasha didn't actually say anything about the people that he was suing. He shows them speaking about their thoughts and their beliefs. So where's the false statement that's being made that you would need to show defamation? Mm-hmm. And so they're basically just upset that, similar to what you just said, they're, they've made asses of themselves. And so they're, you know, embarrassed by it and want to stop people from seeing that. But there's really nothing misleading or they're like not, they're also not being portrayed in a false light. Again, yeah, nobody, no one is threatening them and saying, say this racist remark right now. Go. Right. I think some people claimed it. They said it happened behind the scenes or they were set up to. I think it was one politician in particular who said he was set up to say racist things. I think he said that yeah. on a teleprompter, it was saying anti-Semitic things. But I have to say, if I was up on a podium and anti-Semitic it. things popped up, I would not read it. Right. Exactly. Right. You can still control what you say. In what instance, especially if you think that this is a real documentary, do you think that you need to say this anti-Semitic thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I think the, 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 yes. the legal gist of it all is that these these claims kind of fell into two buckets or three uh, really two buckets people were either suing because of the releases and saying that they didn't sign these releases legally um they should be struck down and or b that there was i can't remember i said one or two two i said okay so this is so two. you're on your first okay. bucket let's go into your second bucket. <laughs> okay sorry no Marge, i always lose i always lose track when i do lists i'm like did i say one or did i say also, a your fingers had like four out so i was like oh shit we're doubling the buckets <laughs> okay sorry so bucket number two is in the defamation as we just said you know defamation is really hard because these people are saying these things themselves right and so you know i think that's the legal piece of it but then the morality piece um it's a little different. Uh, listen, it's it's uncomfortable. These were difficult things to watch, and I'm sure there were difficult conversations for him to have. But I do think that ultimately he's just getting people comfortable enough to share their real views and thoughts. So I actually think that even morality-wise, I mean, I, there's certainly questionable things that he's pretending pretending to be, like mm-hmm. racist and anti-Semitic. But I think with respect to the people that he's capturing, like I don't I don't have an issue with. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely more sympathetic people on here than others. Like, nobody has sympathy for the frat boys, but maybe sympathy for the the older Jewish couple at the inn that he stood at. But even then, again, to your point, it seems like he's making fun of himself more than the nice, like, when they're nice. Yeah, yeah, He's definitely making himself look like an ass. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in their defense, I guess, if I had to argue, maybe they don't want to be portrayed in such a silly movie or gross movie or something like that. But it's not the same as the people who are saying racist stuff. Mm-hmm. So well, we'll see. So where do things stand now? So, so far, Sasha hasn't lost any suits for the Borat movies. Um, for those lawyers. Uh, I'm going to hire them. Yeah, it, it was us. We were those lawyers? hire us. What are you saying? We were on the billboard. <laughs> Didn't you see us? No, these guys are definitely billboard lawyers. <laughs> we're on baby billboard lawyers, okay? I will get some bigger ones. <laughs> but so Kazakhstan decided recently to use Borat and his lines as their catchphrase for tourism. So <laughs> that's the way to handle this, right? Yeah, make it they a PR. They're running spin with it. it. Spin it. Yeah, they're like, come to Kazakhstan. Yeah. <laughs> and like we said, Ruju has not yet sued. Um, interesting little tidbit. You want to talk about it? You feel, I wasn't no, you sure if you were excited. Ruju. Okay, thank you. So he called the police at some point during that scene we were talking about where he was in that bedroom with the actress um, who he thought was a real interviewer. Um, he, he thought, I don't know what he was thinking, but I don't know if he thought there was like a federal crime going down, but he had the room raided and he had their equipment, their filming equipment impounded for 26 hours and they couldn't film so they had to rent other equipment actually to get the rest of the shots that they were supposed to get and i guess they had the the camera crew accounted for this they had tapes and they had copies of tapes so they like sent one guy with the tapes and he ran out of there before anything could happen to him so that they can save the stuff it's crazy um and then his uh sasha's lawyer advised him to leave the state 
of New York because he was so worried about how much power Ruju holds in that state. I mean, he's definitely corrupt, so I too would be worried. I would yeah. be on the first fucking train plane bat out of there. Get what? <laughs> <laughs> did you just call yourself a train bane? What did no, you No, I said I would take the first train plane or bat out of there. Oh, bat. <laughs> You never know. God All right. I've never ridden a bat before, but that sounds promising. So, um, and to speak to how much power Ruju really has, they were raided without a warrant. So mm-hmm. probably for good cause mm-hmm. that he rode that bat out of there. <laughs> That's probably why he didn't bring the suit because he probably doesn't want it to come up that he's fucking breaking laws and using the federal government. Yeah. Well, I think they'd find out some without due things. process. Yeah, idiot. Oh man. Okay. Do we need a brief summary? I feel like your no. two to five buckets really covered it. Um, <laughs> All right. So well, what's your moral? What's what's your like unprofessional advice for this okay. one? I know this is going to be complicated, and I'm sorry to everybody who's listening where this might be hard to follow. But if you don't want to be on camera saying racist shit, don't say racist shit on camera. Mm, deep. That's what I gotta say. Snap that's what law that school one. and my years of practice have taught me. <laughs> wow, that's an expensive bill for just just don't be racist. <laughs> that's why you should listen to our podcast. You should just Look come to my house next time. Legal can, education. If you free. pay me the same amount, I can give you free. a million more lessons. I'm not paying you anything. I don't trust you. You ride bats. Well, okay. <laughs> What's your advice? Oh man. So I would say the first one is don't be ignorant, and you probably won't end up on Borat. Yeah. But my second one in. Also, common sense, read your fucking contracts, people. Mm -hmm. Like, if you just read what you were signing, you would probably know what was happening and that you might be in some compromising positions. Maybe people don't understand these contracts, but maybe take a second. Google. You can, Google will help you out a little bit. Get a lawyer. Call us. Yeah, call us. We'll tell you what the release says. Call us. Call us. For a very low fee. Pay us $38 million. (laughs) We'll do it. Done. We're going to share it with the village. Don't worry. We feel really bad for them. Um, okay. Anyway, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Legally Judgy. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk as much as we love the sound of our own voices. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Also, feel free to connect with us in our socials at Legally Judgy. I'll see you on our horseback ride, Putin. Till next time. Jesus. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>